Kyle, how was the Flyers play the other day? Don't All right, everybody. So you heard it from Kyle Jr. himself. Flyers pretty much laying an egg, or in Kyle Jr.'s words, they look like poop for the past week out west. Uh, not very good. Uh, here, as always, I'm Angry Jim with Kyle and Jack. Kyle and Jack, how are you guys? Not good, Jim. I, uh, <laughs> I was okay with the one loss going into the uh, next decade because it was reminiscent of the previous decade. But then they just kept the shit going for the next two games. So it's like, okay, I guess not much has changed with the uh, change of the decade there. But, you know, they uh, the West Coast just does not treat this team well. I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> Kyle, you're... you're... Kyle Jr.'s debut on HW Radio, you have to feel pretty proud right about now. Yeah, I mean, he calls it like he sees it, you know. You can't take that away from the kid. <laughs> <laughs> like father, like son, if I may. Yeah, I yeah, I don't really pull my punches either. Um, yeah. We're just lucky he didn't curse, and then I had to hear <laughs> from his mom. <laughs> Notice what he's watching at three years old. Pretty impressive. Uh, so, yeah. We're not going to go into depth game for game. I mean, uh, by now you've all seen what's happening with the Flyers. 5-3 loss to the Kings. 5-4 uh, loss from, to Vegas and a 6-2 loss against Arizona. All, all three of these games kind of started out the same way. Jack, you want to give uh, shed some light on that? Yeah, the Flyers dug themselves the biggest possible hole, and it was bullshit against the Kings because that team sucks. And it's like, come on, man, you can't be losing to bad teams. You know, and it's like, you know, after Elliott looked great in Anaheim, he, I mean, his defense definitely didn't help him, and that's a theme here, but so is the bad goaltending, and he gets yanked. In comes Carter Hart, who still yielded a goal, but it was like, you can't, even against bad teams, you can't dig yourself into these holes, you know, especially when it looks like the whole team looks deflated, and they have, like, some kind of late push when it's too late. Um, and just to keep rolling with it, same thing happened in Vegas. They actually scored the first goal. It was a really nice play with Voracek and Giroux. And, you know, <clears throat> but that was quickly followed up by three goals by Vegas. You know, and I I think actually four before they went to the second period. I'm, I can't remember when Konechny scored. I think he scored in the second. Yep. But it was like four to one going into the second period. It's like, hey, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, this is ridiculous. Defense hung Hart out to dry. Hart was not good either. I'm not going to give him, you know, I'm not going to you know, protect him. Uh, he does sometimes make saves that bring keep the team back in the game. This entire road trip, he didn't make any of those key saves, and he let in a lot of softies. There were some some clunkers, some, you know, pinball goals as well, but he did not help them out. He did not help himself out. Him and Elliot, it was just in and out with the two of them this whole series, and they finished up in Arizona and Jesus, I before I fin was finished what I was doing, and this is a theme for me. Before I didn't watch, I only watched the Vegas game from puck drop. The other games I had to catch up. And when I like got there, it was all in the first period. But the Flyers were already down in all those games. They were already down. Like I think that they went down four nothing in the f against Arizona, three nothing in the first, four nothing in the second. I don't, I don't know. I think they got their first goal in the third. Like, you can't do that shit, especially when you're going down that many goals against teams that just strangle you defensively, especially when they have a lead. It was, I don't know what their game plan was. I don't know where their skating legs was. The goaltending was non-existent. This whole road trip was plagued by, and 
bad goaltending, bad defense at times, slow starts, not converting on the chances they did get, and mainly their special teams play has dropped off significantly on both sides, mainly the power play. Yeah, Kyle, what do you attribute that to? I mean, how is it such a difference between home and road play? Honestly, I just, I don't even know. I mean, it's that bad. It, the difference is that vast. I couldn't even tell you. Obviously, the goaltending has been pretty pathetic on the road all year long and pretty strong at home. Obviously, if you just look at the save percentages, it's ridiculous. But um, the overall team play, it's like road games, I feel like they don't even want to show up to. Like, they... Are there's zero importance to them whatsoever? It seems like it's like all right, well, and then once they get down by a couple goals, it's almost like they give up. It's like Flyers of old on the road. They're just like, yeah, we're done. Pack yeah, it in. We're on to the next bit, place. It's a little bit on on Vigneault a little bit too, and I noticed this in uh, Arizona. And Bill Bill Melser brought this up after that second goal, which was kind of a BS goal. You you could read the body language of the team, and they they were just like. They weren't done playing, but they were just – you knew if they – they were going to give up another goal, which they did. That was a perfect time to use a timeout, and he didn't. And it just – the way they've been playing, like they should have been done even a game or two before. And I don't know. It just – everything just spiraled out of control. And you're right. It's like they go on the road, and good teams, when they get scored on, they respond. They don't always have to score, but the play is rushed. They, they're forcing it. They're getting good shots. The puck's in the other team's zone for a majority of play. But Flyers, just get, they just get scored on again and again. And it's like nine minutes have passed in the first period, and they're already in a massive hole where you, you want to turn off the game. And when you consider how late these games are, I don't blame you. And it, it's, it's an absolute travesty. And just looking at some stats here, their power play went three for 15 on the entire Western road trip. They were at 20%. Their PK went 9 for 14. That's six, just over 64%. They were a top 10 team in, on the penalty kill, around 6 or 7. They dropped all the way to 16th after this. Their power play was, yeah, the, I don't know, their percentage of the top team in the league is 88.4. That's San Jose. They're at, they're hovering around 81%. That's almost in the bottom 20. Like, they, whatever, the power play should be good. I don't know what their issue is with that. They just can't figure it out <laughs> still. But the penalty kill was kind of a bread and butter, and they they played very bad, and it cost them, and it cost them big. And you know, you ha you lost the the Phoenix Coyotes already, so you, there's a revenge factor there. You sh you should have beat San Jose for going back. They didn't. They snuck by Anaheim. Those are two bad teams. They got smoked by the Kings. That's another bad team. The Golden Knights. I mean, they were mounting a comeback. They have a six on three at the end of the game, and they don't. They get two weak shots off. They don't let alone convert. You have two guys for every one guy they have, and you can't get a legitimate shot on net. It was an absolute joke. It was really tough to be a Flyers fan this past week. For sure. And, you know, I can understand not playing as well on the road as you do at home. I, I can somewhat understand that. But what I don't get is why something like the penalty kill just becomes absolute shit. I, I, that I don't understand. The intensity must not be there or... You know, the intensity for the other team must be that much greater. If you look at the scores here, 5-3, 5-4, 6-2, I'm going back to the L.A. game where, you know, they, they go down one nothing early. Okay, no big deal. 
Uh, it looks like Scotty Lawton comes out and I'm sorry, I think it was two nothing by, by the time this happened. Scotty Lawton comes out and takes a dumb penalty. He's trying to turn the momentum a little bit. Backfires. Game ends up being three nothing. You're down three nothing in the first period to a, a shitty team. You know, against even against a good team, it's like fuck. We got to score four goals just to win this game. You know, it's one or two goals doesn't do it anymore. The next game, the very next game, they do it again. They go down four nothing to Las Vegas, and just when you're like, okay, you know, they they did it once, that's fine. They do it again, okay. They're definitely not gonna do it three times in a row. They fucking did it again. They went down 3 nothing to Arizona in the first period. And I I don't think they looked that bad before the goals. I don't think they looked terrible while it was 3 nothing. I think after it was 3 nothing, it was kind of like, well, you know, not really much you're going to be able to take from this game because they pretty much packed it in. You know, the second period, I think, was, was fairly even. If I remember correctly, they gave up a late goal I think with like 0.3 seconds left in the second it pretty much put the nail in the coffin Phoenix came out with a, a backup goalie I think his name was Aiden Hill yeah. and you're like all right maybe they could put a put a few past them but they gave up an early goal and it, now you got to score five goals just to tie the fucking game so disappointing efforts I think all all the entire trip and if we want to talk about heart because you know so here's what I'm trying to remind people like Yes, they're, they're, they're losing and they're getting their butts kicked. But this team was never a finished team. It was always going to be a bumpy ride. You know, it's the same thing for Carter Hart. You know, it's a, a sophomore year. He was doing very well for, for a long stretch there. Ran into some trouble on this West Coast thing. Dude, he looked like shit against the Coyotes. All three of those goals should have been saved. It's, that game should have never have been 3 nothing, And it was because, I, I mean, Hart's got to make those saves. He at least has to make two of those saves. If he makes at least two of those saves, it's a completely different game heading into the second period. You're only down one nothing. It's like, all right, we're not in the same situation we were the last two nights. We're, we're playing against a team that's probably not going to score too many more, and, and we could pop one or two against them. Three, down 3 nothing heading into the second, down 4 nothing heading into the third. It's pretty much light good night against, against a team like the Coyotes. So rough trip so far. They're 1-4 on the trip heading into tomorrow. I'm sorry, is it tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow night's game against Carolina. Brian Elliott gets to start. How are you guys feeling heading into tomorrow night's game? I mean, they're, they're finally coming back to the East Coast, and, you know, they have to play two teams ahead of them in the Metro Division, one in Carolina, and then the next night against the division leading Washington Capitals. I think that the next four games are going to determine a lot for this season. Um the Flyers are at a point now, in my personal opinion, that it's either put up or shut up. So your next four games are going to determine whether or not they're going to keep the same lineup around or some changes need to be made. If they throw clunkers out in the next four, you got three at home of the next four, right? I believe so, right? I, I think it's three of the four. Three of the next four games are at home. If they lay clunkers down in even three or two of the four, then I think it's time to either go, all right, this is the team we're going to stick with for the rest of the season, come hell or high water, or we need to make some moves. They need to do something because this is not going to work. If they plan on making the playoffs, this is not a playoff team playing like this. No, I think that's accurate. Um, so we're about just a game past halfway, and I'm, I'm trying to get the schedule up here real quick. So they got 
They're away at Carolina tomorrow night. They're home finally on Wednesday night at home Saturday against uh, the Lightning, who have won seven in a row. And then they have the Boston Bruins on Monday at home as well. Yeah, so next three or four at home, all against monster teams. Jack, touch on what uh, Kyle just said. Next four games, how important are they? They're not must-win, but they're incredibly important. I mean, and it's not set up good for them. They're going to come back to the East Coast. I'm sure they're already here. They're going to play Carolina away. They're going to come back, who they've beaten twice, so it's like you feel like Carolina's due to get us. They're going to come back home on a back-to-back and play Washington, who's, what, the best team in the league? Uh, and then on Saturday, and I'll be at this game, so they better find their game, they're going to play Tampa, who on paper is the best team in the league, and it looks like they found their game. So that's just wonderful. Uh, <clears throat> then on Monday, you got Boston, who's, again, another a top team. They're the best team in their division. And if you keep going, you got St. Louis, who won the Cup last year, who's looking pretty good this year. Montreal, who just picked up Kovachuk because they're trying to do things. I mean, I still think they can win that game. You got the Kings, Revenge Factor, but then you play Pitt, and then oh, it's like they have like a week off, I guess, for the All-Star break before you play Pitt and then Colorado. I mean, this could really roll out of control. There's not one easy game in that schedule. You might say, hey, well, what about the Kings? Look what fucking happened last time they played the Kings. So I, none of these games are easy. You got two back-to-backs. Everybody's at the top of their division outside of Montreal, and I think Tampa Bay's turning their season around. This, is, this has every setup for this to just completely get out of control. And before now we're instead of talking trade, we're talking, you know, what do we do? Do we sell? Do we buy? We don't even know now if this goes bad and it's set up to go very bad. So they got to find something. They got to, the goaltending has got to get back on track. The defense really going to have to buckle down and help them out. The penalty kill is going to have to do what it's doing. And the power play is going to have to come around. Like it's enough. How long do we got to wait until they were what they used to be? I can't tell you how many years ago. Like you got the talent. It's time to put it together. I don't know. I don't have high hopes for this rest of this month. To be honest with you. So you mentioned the defense and Kyle, I'll go to you first. It was uh, announced today that Justin Braun's going to miss four to six weeks. He's not going to return until after the all-star break. So that, jolts Robert Hagen to the lineup. What what do you hope to see from from Robert Hagen? How big of a loss do you think Justin Braun's going to be to this team? I think Braun is a uh, is a sneaky loss. He's one of those guys that catches a lot of flack because uh, of his plus minus. He takes he eats a lot of defensive zone minutes. So I think it's the majority of it's going to fall on Provi and Niskanen yet again, the guys who have been carrying the flyers pretty much. And that's a lot. It's, it's a lot. So let's hope the injury bug doesn't continue on here. I would like to see Hag just be steady. Uh, You know, Hag doesn't hurt you anywhere. He doesn't really provide much more than a, hopefully a steady presence. And if he can do that, I think the flyers will be okay. Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Jack, your thoughts on Justin Braun missing uh, over a month? I mean, I agree with everything Kyle said. The only thing I'd add is that this definitely doesn't help the penalty kill. I mean, th- I mean that's really one thing that he does do. Like, if you look at what he brings to the table besides, you know, stay-at-home defenseman, he was a piece of what made that penalty kill better. And they're already struggling, and then they lose a pretty decent-sized piece. And I'm not just saying that because of his height. <laughs> like... But the main thing is goaltending, and that goes with the penalty kill and just the regular games themselves. 
And it's because if they get into a hole, and that can be just goaltending, it could be a weak shot that finds its way in. I don't think they have the fortitude to just come back. Like they haven't done it. They've attempted and came, and they just came up short. And I just right now they're I think they're in a fragile state, and I think they could crack. And injuries don't help. You need guys like JVR and Ghost to start playing again. Like, come on. Like, you need your stars to step up in all facets of the game, not just goals. Like, it, it's going to be a full team effort here. Vigneault better pull out, the, dust off the old playbook from when he coached bad teams or some shit and figure something out because this does not look good. I, I can see them beating Carolina, Montreal, the Kings maybe, but that's like be- it almost feels like a best-case scenario for me. Do you, so let me ask you guys. So 20, 20 minutes um, of Justin Braun will be missing. You know, Haig's going to step in. I don't expect them to play all those minutes. <clears throat> Kyle, you mentioned Provorov and Niskanen will get a couple more minutes apiece. There are, I think Provorov's already averaging 25 minutes a night. Uh, Niskanen's a little bit older. Who picks up these minutes? I'm assuming Sandheim will be paired up with Haig and, and maybe Myers and Ghost. The Flyers are going to need a seventh defenseman because Myers and Ghost, teams are going to absolutely feast on that pairing. Um, <clears throat> Myers has been in and out of the lineup. He's got decent-looking stats, but he's been <clears throat> excuse me, shuffled in and out of the lineup, being replaced with Robert Haig here and there. I think they're going to have to find a way. If they want to stay afloat, and this is just my opinion, I don't think Robert Haig is a qualified fill-in for Justin Braun. I think he is, he was exactly what he was being used for as a seventh defenseman. You can rotate him in against certain teams, but um, I'm a little bit worried. And I think, you know, if they want to keep afloat, I think Chuck needs to be on the phone. He needs to be finding somebody else. I'm not, I can't remember. I think it was a groin or something like that was announced for Braun. That stuff takes a little while to heal. And I think that's a little bit trickier for hockey. Stuff like like hamstrings and groins, they tend to linger a little bit. And he's, you know, bronze no spring chicken, so who knows? I think they may need to start looking for somebody that can come in uh, as a bottom pair guy, at least, at the very least. And, and I want to bring up something that, you know, no one's really talking about anymore. It was kind of like, oh, my God, this happened. You know, everybody got out their purple flags and bought their purple jerseys. And, you know, everyone was sad for Oscar. This team fucking misses Oscar Lindblom. And I don't think a lot of people are realizing it, not just for his goal scoring, but how much he provided defensively for this team. They're getting absolutely murdered defensively and team defense, not just defense defense. And Lindblom brought so much for this team since he's been out. They've won one single game on the road. They are one and seven on the road and they're getting fucking blown out without Oscar Lindblom. Kyle, any any thoughts there to what you know Oscar Lindblom brought to this team and, and what this team's been missing since he's been out of the lineup? Now, they they certainly are lacking a a pretty major player in Oscar Lindblom, who was in the midst of an absolute breakout season offensively and his all around game has just come. I mean, leaps and bounds. So at some point, they're going to have to, they're going to need to figure out what they want to do. Either they're going to want to replace him for this year because unfortunately, he's not coming back this year. That's, that's a fact. But they need to figure it out sooner rather than later because the further you get down this rabbit hole, 
you're not going to be able to dig your way back out of it. It's not going to be one of those, oh, well, we'll come back at the end or make a run in the end of the season. It's it's just not going to work that way. The teams in our division are just too good for that. So you need to stay on pace with these teams to even have a chance at a playoff spot. And in order to do so, in my personal opinion, you have to bring somebody in that maybe doesn't fit the role exactly of what Oscar Lindblom was providing, but at least as a stopgap at this point. 100% agree. And and Jack, your thoughts on the absence of, of Oscar Lindblom, what that's meant to this, this team? No, it's definitely showing. It definitely hurts. I think uh, Kyle said it best. He was in the midst of a breakout season, and to have this happen was absolutely tragic. It seems like the team had their down games, and then when he visited them in the locker room, they got back on track, and then they went on the road, and then it all fell apart again. And as far as adding uh, a player or players, uh, I have to imagine that the you know Flyers don't have a whole lot of cap, so I'd assume that he's on the phone trying to make something happen. You see, there's been a couple of trades in the NHL already. Buffalo's been busy. Montreal signed Kovalchuk, and I believe they made a trade with Buffalo. Um, I don't know why the Flyers weren't in. I mean, I don't know why they weren't at least calling Kovalchuk. I hadn't. I didn't hear a peep. Just with the issues we have, and you don't want to give up too much of your assets, but. If you want to salvage the season with how good our division is, yeah, you have to add a forward and some kind of forward and some kind of defenseman because I don't mind Hag coming in in relief when he needs to a game or two, but for an extended period of time, it, it's going to be trouble. And those haters are going to be back on the, the train again, and they're going to be right. He's just not good enough to play full time. And I don't think we have anybody on the Phantoms that's going to come up and really you know, steady the boat. Like who's, who, no, there's nobody. It's a bunch of, couple of journeymen, Mark Friedman, who I don't, not an NHL player. And the other guys just aren't old enough yet. And, you know, it'd be fantastic if Nolan Patrick decided to come back and play. I know that's out of his hands, but it is what it is. Could really use him right now. And you, but yeah, a move, at least a small move needs to be made on defense. This is what these GMs get paid for. You know, you don't break the bank and trade two first-round picks and a prospect for some guy. you got to make a smart either signing or trade, something small, and you just hope that he fits your system and he gives you what you get, what you need to get by until you get some players back from injury and go from there. 100%. And, you know, I've kind of been – this kind of leads into a pretty solid segue here. just happens to be, um, you know, Justin Braun went out today and, you know, the Flyers have uh, what I feel is a position of need in, in left wing and, and possibly center. So I've been kind of checking out the Nashville Predators roster over the last couple days and kind of had the feeling that Laviolette wasn't going to be the coach there for much longer. And I would have liked him to try to make a move while he was the coach over there because I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll just tell you guys. So Shane Gossespierre was obviously the Flyers' most, I would say, tradable asset at the moment. You know, he's got, I think he's got three or four years left at $4 million a season. Uh, an offensive defenseman. You know, teams are always looking for that. Somebody to point, uh, man the point on the power play type thing. Uh, Nashville is is known for having defensemen that can put up, you know, some some points. Uh, they have guys like Roman Yossi. Even Matthias Ekholm's now turned into a guy that can put the puck in the back of the net. Uh, a young guy like Fabro. They just traded away a guy like Subban. Uh, Shea Weber, of course, came from Nashville. I'm looking over Nashville's roster, and usually when a team fires a coach, it's like, okay, we're going to make a some kind of a small push for the playoffs, or we're going to try to start getting ready for the next season. And I, I'm looking at this team, and they have a couple pieces the Flyers could use 
and, and you tell me what you guys think. So I'm going to throw some names out there. I'll throw the cap hit, and, and you guys tell me <clears throat> if if it's if you think it can be feasible. So the the first guy on the list here is uh, Michael Granlin. He's signed for the rest of this season. He's making 5.75. Kyle, I'll start with you first. Is is he a guy you think the Flyers should target? He could play center and he could play right wing, 27-year-old kid. Like I said, just signed for the rest of this season. I mean, it's a stopgap option, but I don't know if Ghost is going to get you that straight up, to be honest with you. So you're going to have to sweeten the pot for a kid who's making $5 million a year and you're going to have to dump some cap off. So somebody with significant caps got to go back. Um, I wouldn't mind them targeting him, but I I believe there should be other targets first in my personal opinion. No, I agree. And and I'm just throwing names out to you guys. And until I get to my ideal possible trade scenario here. Uh, So Jack, I'll, I'll send a guy to you next. There's a guy by the name of Craig Smith. Pretty solid. He could be a third line center. I'm sure you know by now. He's makes he's signed for one more year, making four point two five. Your thoughts on the Flyers potentially trading for Craig Smith? Well, first, if we're having these defensive issues for today, right now, I don't think they can afford to trade Ghost unless they acquire that defensive player first. Mm-hmm. Um, however, just to participate in uh, what we're doing here, um, I mean, I look at Nashville. Altogether, I don't know what they would be asking for. He's got 20 points on the season, you know, 10 goals, 10 assists, pretty solid right winger. I'm not giving up a lot. He's got one year. Uh, Do you think that they're entering? I don't think Nashville's entering a rebuild. It'd be more of a retool. But you need draft picks to do that. And, uh, you know, I mean, we have plenty of prospects. I would offer a prospect and a pick, both of which I wasn't in love with, like a a third and maybe a guy, you know, that I don't really see a future with. Um, they, I mean, I would view the whole league before I picked out a guy, but since you gave him to me, I wouldn't hate it. I don't know a lot about the, the guy. I've never really noticed him when he played, but, it, you know, for having 41 games played, he's just under a half point per game player. You play the right wing on the third line and, you know, maybe – it's it just depth. It just would be depth at this point, which is why I don't want to give up a whole lot. I, it might not even cost what I said, but you know, it really depends. Um, would I be against it? No, this team needs a shot in the arm. It needs something. Yeah. So here's what I have here. So I went back and checked out a couple of um, Chuck Fletcher trades in the last couple of years. And most of the moves that he's made are for depth guys. And none of them, May, I mean, they all made between a million and 2.25 million. So I'm looking at four separate trades here and all depth guys. Nobody really stands out. But when you see the names, you know who they are. You know what I mean? Those kinds of players. So mostly third line guys, which I found interesting. So I'm, I'm looking over this uh, Nashville Predators roster and they have a guy by the name of Callie Yarncroak. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. He could play center and left wing. Which oh the Flyers could use that twenty eight year old kid uh, is making two million for the next he's making two million this year and for the next two years almost like Ghost Ghost is making four million obviously so then I'm looking we said we need defense right so they have a couple depth guys on defense Dan Ham Hughes <laughs> don't want him he's thirty seven years old but he's making one point two five a kid by the name of Yannick Weber thirty one years old six hundred seventy five thousand Matt Irwin thirty two years old six hundred seventy five thousand so here's my thought. Okay, and I'm not sure even, you know, we just kind of are tossing trade proposals out the last couple weeks. 
We can move Ghost to a team like Nashville, who, you know, after Yossi, Ekholm, Fabro, they're kind of, you know, bare in the defensive cupboard there. Send Nashville Ghost. Maybe what comes back is a guy like Callie Yarncroke, who's under contract for the next two years. We don't know what's going to happen with Oscar Lindblom. He may never play for the Flyers again. You know, and I know we don't want to think about that, but that's the reality of it. He may never play again. Nolan Patrick may never play again. Okay, so you trade for this dude. He's 28 years old. There's, I don't know if you guys have noticed either, but there's kind of a bridge. There's a gap in age between you know the fly, the kids on the Flyers and guys like Jeru Voracek. And the gap in age is 26, 27, 28 years old. You're either 22, 23, or you're 30 years old. Uh, and, and a guy like Kevin Hayes is an, is an example. He's 27 years old. They, they need to bring in some more of these guys, I think. And it sounds maybe weird because I'm focusing on age. Callie Yarncroke, 28-year-old dude, can play center, left wing, under contract for the next two years. If anything, he's a stopgap guy. That's not going to kill your cat. Uh, Scotty Lawton-type player. Uh, if you want me to pull some stats up for you guys here, I kind of further convince you. Give me one second. So obviously he's not going to light the league on fire. He puts up Scotty Lawton type numbers. You know, he's for the last one, two, three, four, five years, he's put up between 26 and 35 points. Uh, I'm looking at 16 goals, 15 goals, 16, 12, 10. I mean, he's a solid player. He's a plus player. He's rarely in the negatives, plus minus. Your guys' thoughts. If you can sneak one of those depth defensemen back with a player like Callie Yarncroke, uh, for Ghost and, you know, whatever else. What are your thoughts? I know Ghost has the most potential, the let's say the highest ceiling. But in, in my opinion, of those two players, has an even lower floor. You know what you're getting back in Cali Yarncroke. Maybe Nashville even tosses in a pick. Who, who knows? What are your thoughts on a deal like that? We could start with uh, Jack. We could start with you first. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I would definitely... Love if they found a way to add those two players. I mean, that fits the needs we're looking for. And looking at Yarncroke's uh, stats, I mean, 27 points and was it 40 games or so? I mean, that's not terrible, you know? I mean, but if I'm giving up Ghost, I just, I'm still holding out for a, a big deal. And I think the Flyers still think that way. I don't think they view Ghost as a part of their future. I think he's their biggest trade piece and they're going to use that to get them something to put them over, not as a knee-jerk reaction to fill some depth guys in the short term, even though I could see them theoretically hanging on to a guy like Yarncroke. But my feel on the situation is they'll, they would more so move draft picks, if, if not something else, to two different teams and try to fill the holes they need. If not, just dip into the Phantoms to try to get by, see how bad things get and get out of control. I don't think they're moving Ghost for two lesser players. At least I view that. I think they would view that this that in their mind. Uh, I think they're viewing him and something else to get a better piece. I think. Is he a lesser player though? Like, is he? Re- if you if you're being lesser ceiling wise. Yeah, I mean, only because of that that season, right? Let's just say John Croak. Uh, those players do grow on trees where Ghost uh, apparently doesn't. <laughs> if you if you take away what is now appearing to be a fluke season, does Ghost have that ceiling? I th- I think he still does have the ceiling. It's just... <laughs> it, why, it's though? More, it's just because he did it. And once a guy does it once in the NHL, they have that ceiling. I mean, Listen, you go back to uh, Jonathan Chichu, 
Like, dude scored 50 goals. And he, he was not a 50-goal scorer, but he did it. He played with Joe Payton. Thorne, no? Uh, yeah, but he still was with Joe Thornton the next year, and he dropped to, like, 34, and then he just fell off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, guys are flashes in the pan, or they're actually talented, and you don't know. It's the not knowing. It's the pulling the trigger and having to come back and bite you or hanging on to him too long and realizing you have nothing. you got to remember, Ghost had a really good rookie season, too. It's not just the 65-point season. He came in, revitalized that team. You know, he's, I think he had, like, 45 points and limited playing time. And we're just seeing it now. I think another bit this season and next season of poor play ghost, I think we'll all be in agreement at that point, which is why I do hope the Flyers choose to move him if he doesn't play better sooner rather than later. But at, th- at this point I mean. today, next year, who's going to give you anything for ghost if he, if he puts up uh, 20 points a season? Uh, no, I, I, that's definitely something to talk about then. I do agree with that. Um, I, at where we stand right now, I, I do think he's their best tradable asset. Cause you got to remember the contract too. It's a very, it's not like they overpaid him hoping he would always be that 64, uh, five point player. He's got a good contract for defense and defense is a commodity. No matter which way you look at it, it's a hot commodity. And the other thing with Nashville, they've never had an issue building their own defenseman from their defensive core. So I don't know if I'm trying to pawn a defenseman off on them. Okay. See- if I'm if I'm getting rid of Ghost and I'm going to change the pace here, and I, actually, if it's all right with you, Jim, I'm going to switch teams completely. Yeah, go ahead. If I'm trading Ghost, I'm going after a guy like Josh Manson. He's on the Ducks, right? Yeah. If 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 I'm trading Ghost, I'm trading Ghost in a pick over to Anaheim and going after Manson. He's got a similar cap hit at uh, four point one for the next three years, but uh, I believe Manson will provide you with a more steady presence than ghost who you know sometimes he's scoring sometimes he's a ghost literally out there on the ice like he doesn't even exist whereas manson you get the pretty consistent play out of him and what we lack right now is defensive consistency other than our top pairing and i think that a a, a guy like manson would provide more stability on our bottom pairing defenseman, or at least our second pair. Yeah, so I don't dislike Josh Manson's game. He does have, and I'm sure you saw, but a, a no a 12-team no-trade list. Uh, hopefully the Flyers wouldn't be on there. Yeah, I mean, the salary fits. Uh, he's, he's under contract for a couple more years. Like I said, I mean, whatever's going to help this team improve, I want them to make the move. I've seen enough out of Ghost personally. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that goal against uh, Phoenix where he skated behind the net and turned the puck over, led directly to a goal. But the guy's not a 65-point player. He may not even be a 40-point player. He's playing third-line minutes, not on the top power play unit. He's He's trying to make plays that he's just not good enough to make, and they're leading directly to goals. And, I, and I'm thinking, okay, well... You know, the 65-point season, it's only two years ago now. They can still use him as a trade chip and say, okay, we can we could still get something out of this guy. You know, it's not too late to turn him around. I feel like the further you get from the 65-point season, the the harder it's going to be to move him because, because other teams, you know, they're going to see them be like, well, was that a fluke? You know, can I, can I, can I undersell? the Flyers now and try to steal this guy and try to salvage something out of him. You know, because if he keeps putting up seasons like this, that 4 million, it's not going to look so great anymore. 
It's going to be four million for a guy who doesn't put up points that can't play defense, and it, you know it's turning into just dead cat. So I'm kind of like, can they just get something while they can for him? And 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 say, so this Cali Yarncroke guy, I'm going to compare him to Scotty Lawton. Okay, I haven't watched as much of him as Scotty Lawton, obviously, but the numbers are the same. The age is similar. They could use a guy that can play center and left wing. Would you trade Ghost for a player like Scotty Lawton? I'm straight up. Uh, yeah. Not, no, not straight up. No, but but he would provide, you know, something for your team that would help. If you're now. sending a pick back my way, a decent pick back my way, like Yarn Croak and a a second or a third, I'd consider it like a conditional second or a third. Okay, Jack, what do you think? If I woke up tomorrow and saw that they traded goes for a guy like that in a draft pick today. I would be disappointed. Further, we, you know, start to plummet here. That could change. Um, and further, he plays worse. Yeah, like I, everything you. I agree with what you said. The further we get away from that sixty-five point season, you know, he's twenty-six years old now. He's got twelve points. He's got power, top power play time. You know, it's like, what's the anomaly? The bad play or the good play? You know, and it's like I get it. You got to strike while the iron's hot. Before you, he's worthless. But at this point, I don't think he's that low where we would have to, you know, take two lesser pieces. I want to add something with Ghost and get a better piece. He's still young enough. Guys like this sometimes need a change of scenery. Other coaches think they can coach him better or they have a plan. And same with GMs. There's enough teams in the league. We've seen enough bullshit trades go down where I don't. I'm not ready to knee jerk and trade uh, Ghost for some depth pieces. Yeah, fair enough. And, and, you know, what's cool is we have different perspectives. So the the adding something to Ghost and getting something bigger, you know, it would be nice. I'm gonna, just going to add real quick here that Justin Braun, a supposed stay-at-home defenseman, two goals, eight assists for 10 points. Shane wow. Gossespierre, the offensive dynamo, has only two points more than Justin Braun this year. Pretty, wow. pretty crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. I mean, you know, I was – you guys know – I've tempered my expectations for Ghost a little bit this year. I haven't talked as much shit on Ghost as I have in the past. But after that goal against Arizona the other night, it kind of everything just kind of fell out for me. I'm I'm just I'm done with Shane Gossespierre. I've seen enough. I've seen there's just too much. There's too much with him. It's it's not just the locker room stuff. Him coming out and saying he's got to be a better teammate. I mean, it's it's not just cliche. It's not bullshit. There's no coincidence that he said that because he absolutely he really does need to be a better teammate. Like he actually meant that. So he's a piece of shit in the locker room. He he's a selfish, and maybe I'm being too harsh here, but he's selfish on the on the ice. He's not putting up the numbers. He's he's got his head up his ass saying he doesn't grow on trees. I don't know what else we need to see out of Shane Gossesbear. I really don't. And I guess my view is we should try to trade him while nobody else knows this about him yet. And you should just take what you can get. That, I guess that's where I'm coming from. And, and Jack, I, I do like your point of view there because if they can package something with Ghost to bring back something greater, I'm all for that. But I, I'm just like, you know, how, do, how does everybody else not see what we see? So they should just quick and hurry up and take what they can get, you know. So it's cool to it's cool to hear different perspectives there. Well, it's kind of what I was saying about when we were talking about the Johnny Gaudreau rumors and Voracek. I'm like, well, they're not gonna look at what we see with Voracek. They're not gonna want Voracek back in a deal like that. Yeah. But I get your your haste with ghosts. Like, guys, 
This guy sucks. Okay? <laughs> he does stink. We're man. living off this one season trying to get by. Let's trade him now before everybody else figures it out. I get that. But a lot of teams have have done that before with players, and that player came back to bite them. And we got to be careful with that. Um, I'm not against it. I just, it's not that I don't want to trade him. That's not what we disagree about. I just want something different than what you're okay with. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. I think we're all in agreement that, like, we're, if he were traded tomorrow, you know, we'd drive him to the airport. Like, we're not, (laughs) we're upset to lose him. Yeah. Uh, but if I, you know, if I wake up and all they got back is, you know, all oh, the Flyers get a fifth round pick that can become a fourth and a player to yeah. be named later or something, I'd be like, come on. Like, you know, I, I still am holding out for something of some kind of significance. And they really need that. They can't be pissing away their assets because after they move Ghost, what are you going to, what else are you going to move? You're going to move a first round pick now? Like, what's left? So you got to make it count. They got if you move if you move Ghost, it's got to be for something pretty good. Yeah, and like he's the last move that can really he's the last significant move because I'm not counting on them to move JVR or Voracek this year. I just don't think it's really possible. Yeah, they just they can't. Their hands are tied. Yeah, so Ghost is like the only trade chip that they could potentially move. So obviously that that's why his name comes up all the time, and and I I don't like him, so that's why he comes up for me. You know, we talked about the Predators a little bit here. We talked about how Peter Laviolette was fired today. And and what did you guys think about that? Kyle, we could start with you. I mean, when you saw that Laviolette was fired, what went through your mind? Uh, The end of his life expectancy for a team is about that. How long was he a coach there? This was his sixth season. That's actually way over what he usually does with teams, in my personal opinion. I don't think... Yeah, his real life quick. expectancy with teams. I went back and looked. So this, he was one year more with the Predators than he was with any other team. Usually, he lasts for five years. With the Flyers, he lasted four years and then three games in his fifth year. You know, coaches like that have a shelf life. You know, uh, you've been seeing a lot of it lately with uh, players coming out and saying, you know, this coach was a dick, or you've seen it with Babcock, <laughs> especially. You know what I mean? And I, I just get a real dick vibe from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like that you said dick and then well, thought of Babcock right away. Yeah, well, he looks like a dick. And he's got cock <laughs> in his last name. He does. <laughs> I didn't even put two and two together. That works perfectly. But, I, think, I mean, we were talking about cock before the show, so. No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> that shit runs out quick with. Vet players, especially like guys like Roman Yossi, you got you know what I mean. Like you, you can only be an asshole for so long to people before the whole team goes, "We're done, we're done playing for you." It's that simple. We're just done playing for you. Like you seen it, you, you seen it with Dallas too. They mm-hmm. lost their coach. Granted, their coach has substance abuse issues, which came to light afterwards. But uh, oftentimes, with alcoholics, they're not the nicest people. So yeah. They got rid. They got rid of him, and Dallas has been on a freaking tear. Yeah, that's interesting. I, you know what I kind of liked about that is Dallas knew something was up. They let him go, and and sometimes when you have somebody like that, the biggest thing you can do is kind of just kick them out, and, and so they, they kind of fall on their face a little bit without getting too much into it. And you know, he, you know, props to Jim Montgomery. He went he went out and and got help. So the I just thought the way that they handled that whole thing was pretty pretty spot on how you should handle something like that and and good for him for going out and getting help. Jack, your thoughts uh, when you saw Peter Laviolette was fired? What'd you think? I thought it was a year too late. I thought he was going to be fired after last year. Yeah. Um, I think ever since their cup run, 
spin downward spiral, which is tends to be his thing. And when you run high intensity uh, team like he does or a system like he does, yeah, you have a shelf life. They, eventually, they start tuning out. And when the seasons, you know, when you start performing worse and worse and worse, and but the, meanwhile, the GM's adding a Matthew Shane, and you're barely five hundred. Yeah, sorry, it's 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 they just knew they you know it's like yeah they probably should have fired him a year before but yeah it's over it's time to move on let's let's rip the bandaid off now before things get you know worse and yeah I love the guy but yeah like that's it guys like him just have a shelf life they're too demanding on their players and after a while this is combined with losing um, it just runs out and I don't think Pecorino's help uh, goaltending has helped that either he's you know not the same guy at all so. You know, it was just time. Yeah. So, I mean, coming in, the Predators, they've, they've been having some trouble keeping the puck out of their net. You mentioned Pecorine. They're second to last place in the Central Division at 19, 15, and 7 for 45 points. They've allowed under four, goal, four goals once in their last five, allowing five and six of the Penguins in back-to-back games, four to the Stars in the Winter Classic, and then five last, I'm sorry, four last night to the Ducks. They lost in a shootout. I was watching that game, and they were getting outshot 30 to 10 to the Anaheim Ducks in the second period. So, and I'm watching that game. I'm like, there can't be too much longer for Lavi on that bench, man. And then it comes out today uh, that they let him go. So, pretty, uh, you know, it sucks for Laviolette. Uh, they they did have a cup run out in Nashville. I was rooting for them to win it. Didn't they lose to the Penguins? Yeah, they did. Um, yeah. So double, yeah, no, it's, double it's just to piggyback on that real quick. You know how we all love the Lavulette timeout. There was a game they had recently where they went down a the goal or two, and he called the timeout, and the team came out completely flattened. That it did nothing for him. His effectiveness was just done. Yeah, and it seems that you know that's the way it was in Nashville. And if you take a look at that roster, like I, I they have nobody that can play defense on that team. Nobody. And it's like, you know, it made me think a little bit because I was disappointed that uh, the Flyers didn't go out and get a Matthew Shane type guy. And, you know, I guess I'm OK that they didn't. I still like Matthew Shane the way he plays a little bit more than Kevin Hayes because I like to be entertained with offense. That's not to say I don't like Kevin Hayes now because I think he's OK. He's doing he's doing fine. But if you go back and, and look at Duchesne's stats and I'm, I'm going to try to tie this in somehow, like he wanted to go play in Nashville. And I'm not sure... You know, I would have gone out and signed a guy like him and, and gave him... He just seems like the kind of guy that would be too comfortable if, if you give him what he wanted. And I'm just assuming here. But he's only had, he only has 28 points in, in 38 games, only nine goals, uh, 19 assists. So I, I don't think he's earning what Nashville gave him. And I think he's a, a, a pretty big reason why Laviolette's not there anymore. I mean, he, he doesn't play defense. So... You know, just just to put a bow on the Lavi talk, you know, Lavi lets fire. It'd be interesting to see what Nashville does. Uh, I think they have a roster where, you know, teams can kind of go in and, you know, turkey vulture. They could pick some meat off the bone there. Guys like Yarn Croak or whoever. Um, maybe not give up a ghost for But, yeah, so news there. Uh, what else do we got, guys? Did I miss anything? Not really too much fun things to talk about i mean we covered the west coast trip we covered uh some trade talk we covered the carol actually we didn't really cover the carolina game so we got carolina tomorrow brian elliott is starting is that the right move you guys think jack we could start with you yeah uh 
Carter Hart's been a little rough. You got it's only fair to Elliot at this point to, you know, just to put him back in and give him a give him a go. Plus, you got the back to back. Uh, and then, you know, it's also a little bit of a confidence boost to uh, Hart to put him in hit put him in against the best team in the league. You know, I mean, I don't think you can go wrong here. The team's been terrible regardless of who's in net, but I'm, I don't see any issues with it. Yeah, it should be interesting. Uh, you know, I questioned, I think, it, I don't even know how long ago it was now, a week ago when they, they started hard after the break. And I saw somebody else kind of mention something about that, but uh, I can't recall what it was. So, Kyle, your thoughts on Brian Elliott starting against the Carolina Hurricanes tomorrow night? With Carter Hart's struggles, well, both of them are struggling, obviously, on the road, but I think Brian Elliott's being the vet that he is, struggles a little less on the road. Having Carter start at home would be the best choice, being that Carter Hart is absolutely lights out at home and has been all year long. So I think it's smart. I mean, I don't see why you wouldn't. Yeah, you think so? You think they're kind of banking on him returning to form against the, the Caps? Well, he's going to have to. Or it's <laughs> going to be another blowout. <laughs> yeah, you know... Halfway through that road trip, they got blown out against the Sharks, and they ended up pulling a win out against the Ducks. I was still feeling optimistic. I thought they were going to at least win one of those games uh, of the three that they lost in California. Uh, I'm sorry, not in California, to, to Vegas, the Kings, and Arizona. But uh, not feeling as confident heading into tomorrow. I'm not really sure what to expect. You know, we talked about some of the holes in this team, the losses of Lindblom and, and Braun, and they're still missing Patrick. And they have to shuffle this roster around a little bit. You know, Claude Giroux leads this team in goals. I don't know if you guys, if you really knew that, because I didn't know that until the other day. I'm like, how the fuck does Claude Giroux lead this team in goals? I just couldn't, I couldn't understand it. And then I'm looking at total points, and he's fourth or fifth on the team in points. He's only a 17, I think it's 17 assists. And I'm like, what? Like, this is so weird. Uh, on a team with Sean Couturier, uh, James Van Riemsdyk, who, who am I missing here? Kevin Hayes has been putting the puck in the net. Travis okay. Konechny, TK. Claude Giroux leads this team in goals. And it's like a quiet 13 goals. Giroux hasn't really stood out to me. I have some some gripes with Claude Giroux, but I just want to get your guys' thoughts and opinions. And we could start with you, Jack, like on Claude Giroux so far. Well, part of it is Limblom had like 11 or 12 of those goals before he went out. Um, TK, he's been TK, he's been great, but he did have the concussion issue. Uh, but these, you know, Drew is definitely not a guy paid for, you know, top goals, but he's getting the most, some of the most ice time offensively. So yeah, you know, JVR, we talked about his struggles, although he did have to score like five goals in a week that got him back up into contention for, you know, most goals scored on the team. But after that, you know, Couture, what, how many did Couture have? He's got to be around there. I think he's got 11 or 12. Yeah, there's like a, there's like a bunch of guys, three or four or five guys that have like between 10, 11, 12 goals. Yeah, Jake, Jake's passed first. So, you know, we've already pretty much named the top two lines. So it's like after that, you know, it's it's a lot of guys. We've had a lot of injuries too. You know, Lawton and Roffel have been in and out of the lineup. We have guys, guys called up and Farabee playing more minutes, but he didn't play the beginning portions of the season and he was suspended. And I think a combination of all of that stuff is is why it landed where it did. I don't think he'll finish the season that way, though. I just think it's how it is right now. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. And, you know, it, it struck me to be a negative that Claude Giroux was leading this team in goals. Kyle, what... What do you think about that? Is it a positive thing for Drew to be leading this team in goals? Uh, 
well, if the total was a little higher, it would be. Right. But, <laughs> but as it sits right now, man, this year, with the exception of Hayes, Konechny, and Limblom before his unfortunate circumstances, it's been the year of underperformances uh, all the way across the board. I mean, Voracek took 20 games to get going, maybe 25. Giroud's been, I wouldn't want to call it steady, but he's been Giroud that's 30-something years old. He's starting to taper down, and everybody in Philly knew that was coming. So to be mad about it is not exactly... Uh, that's not how I would go about it, but um, to each is his own. JVR, like, where the fuck has JVR been? Uh, yeah, okay, he's streaky. We get it. He's streaky, but usually by this point, JVR has got twenty goals, and he's. <laughs> Am I right though? Like, it's, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, yeah, he had twelve points in thirteen games last month, and then it's like, has anybody? He's gone missing. He's MIA again. Told you. And I feel like I feel like it's the entire team now. With uh, again, the the few exceptions here. Yeah, that's that's what I wanted kind of to bring up there because it seems like only one guy's hot at a time. You know, TK was hot for a while. Then it was uh, Voracek was kind of coming around a little bit. Then it was JVR that was coming around a little bit. Uh, Limblom was even hot in the beginning, and and he tailed off a little bit before he got sick. There, Hayes kind of is showing up in spurts. He, but so. Hayes has been consistent in that way, I think, though, whereas he's not scoring in bunches. He's scoring every couple of games type thing. You know what I mean? And so I'm kind of singling out Giroux here because he's the captain of this team. And when you turn to somebody to say, okay, who's responsible for, you know, only one guy being streaky at a time? I think, you know, a player like Giroux who gets, why isn't he on this list? Why isn't he on that list? Well, you know. He hasn't won a cup. He's been on a shit team the last four years. The team is going through some shit right now. Where's Claude Giroux been? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely true. I mean, he's a guy that I expect his assist totals to be up and get. He should get guys like JVR and whoever the hell else going. Just hasn't gone that way. Everybody else has been picking up the slack. Our top line for the first two months of the season was TK, Couturier, and Limblom. And then you lose Limblom, so you got other guys had to pick it up. And remember, Giroux, Voracek, and JVR were the three guys we were talking about early in the season about coming out of their slumps. Giroux was the first one to come out of it, but he was still in a little bit of a slump. And I think Kyle said it right when he said that everybody's underperforming. Like, there's no one guy who's really taken that stride, and the ones who did are out for the season or had a concussion issue. Like, you know, I give TK a little bit more credit. He's our only all-star. Um, so like it's a, you look, it's not like he's leading the pack by a lot. He just happens to be leading the team in goals today. And next week it could, it could be somebody else. You know, it, it's not, well, that's you know, why I'm kind of not looking at it like as a good thing because it's not, he's, he's the guy that's supposed to be getting other guys going. And this year he's not. He's just not getting other guys going. Like we can look at JVR and we can look at uh, you know, other guys who aren't scoring, but who who's supposed to be setting him up? And then we could turn and look at the power play and say, oh, he's not playing on his side and this and that. If Giroux is supposed to be a world class player, and I'm not doubting that he is, should it matter what fucking side of the power play he plays on? And and that's me being honest. I'm not being a dick. Um, Kyle, let me ask you first. I mean. Should it really matter? Should it really be that big of a deal to where he just can't produce on the power play on the wrong fucking side? 
I think it's a culmination of things. I mean, the underperformances from everybody else, the Claude Giroux getting older, it shouldn't be an excuse, especially for your captain, for a, t- for a guy that we bitch about him not being on the all-decade list and, and not being on uh, the top 20 for the season. It seems like he's being been snubbed so much. These people that are snubbing him are actually gaining weight with their arguments now. And it's unfortunate, to be honest with you, because, I mean, who's not a Claude Giroux fan? Right. And and me bringing all this stuff up is not me trying to shit on Claude Giroux. It's why does it feel blasphemous when you try to, you know, bring him up in conversations like this? It, it just bothers me a little bit. Why can't we say anything bad about Claude Giroux? You know, he needs to fucking step his game up, and he isn't. He leads this team in goals, it feels like to me, by accident. You know what I mean? And that that's kind of like where that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. I mean, that makes sense. The only uh, caveat I'd have for that is he is the captain of the team. Uh, they're getting decimated with long-term injuries. It's not like the whole team's injured, but the injuries they do have. They lost pretty much two guys for the season, and Patrick and Lindblom. And other guys are in and out, going down. Guys are, you know, not scoring who should be. Or we know they're streaky scorers. So maybe if I can say one devil's advocate thing here, maybe because other guys aren't scoring, Drew, the captain, is, well, nobody else is going to do it, then maybe I got to do it. And I don't think it's been from the beginning of the season. I think it's something that has started to culminate as the season has gone on. Uh, we'll see how they respond in you know these upcoming games. If Giroux is still pot, putting the puck in the back of the net, then it is a good thing. Um, if it, if it's they just revert back to how they are and it's a couple of points here, a couple of points there, you know, and they get some big L's, then it yeah, you know, then I do agree with what you're saying 100. Uh, percent I do think we need a bigger sample size before we can really you know settle in on that. Yeah, and I, I don't want to make it look like I'm ragging on Giroux, but a guy that's the highest paid player on the team. He's the captain of the team. You know, guy that you see, you know, everyone's upset on Twitter when he's not on a fucking all-time whatever list. When are you going to take over a game, Claude? You know? Like, I I feel like 31, 32 is not that old. And, you know, I'm, I was trying to cut him some slack. Like, all right, he's learning a new system. Everyone else needs to learn a new system, too. Like, if you're a fucking world-class player, dude, and... You know, people are clamoring for you to be in these top 10 lists. Take a fucking game over like a Patrick Kane, like a Sidney Crosby, uh, like an Ovechkin, like a Malkin. Because I got news for you. Giroud doesn't take games over like that. Not in the past year or two anyway. The biggest moment this year where I can remember being like like Claude Giroud, like, oh, wow, was the fucking slap shot that he had in the shootout. Do you remember that? Yeah. Other than that, Giroud's just been another guy on this team for me. And I, I am getting a little angry at Claude Giroud, and I need him. It's up to him to turn this fucking team around. If he's the captain, why does he get a pass? Why does he get a pass? Well, he's passed first. No. Um, he, uh, I agree with what you said because he um, he is the captain. And he he's not. we haven't seen the guy who will put the puck through a defenseman's skates, skate around him, take an off-balance shot, you know, and score to keep the team – in the game or to win the game or, you know, so they don't go down three, nothing and they cut the deficit in half. Like he hasn't, he hasn't done that. He's I can't remember the last time he was really on a legitimate breakaway. Like he's just, 
yeah, it's probably because he's getting a little bit older. I mean, he's 31 years old at this point. You know, it's going to be tough. And he still does some things right, but he's not going to Panarin it for you and, you know, drag us through the mud. It's just, it's just not that play. Like you said, he's like a another guy who gets more playing time. He's still incredibly talented, but that superstar which separates him from other players, it, that's you don't you don't see as many flashes of that as you used to. That's concerning. Kyle, any thoughts on that, or are we kind of beating a dead horse at this point? <laughs> All right, so we'll wrap up the Claude Giroux talk. Um, yeah, I just had to get that off my chest because that was something that was bothering me a little bit. Uh, love the guy. I think he's a you know one of the top three best flyers in the history of the organization. Uh, but had to get that out. Uh, having said that, if you guys have nothing left, uh, we pretty much covered everything we had. Not, not much positive to talk about tonight. So we'll wrap this one up. Uh, Kyle, you have something you want to promote there, don't you? Yeah. So uh, I finally launched my first ever episode of Enforcers Corner. You can find me on Twitter at Enforcers Corner. Uh, we had Mike Scroy on, and it was a hell of an interview. And if you're an actual hockey fan, you'd enjoy the living shit out of it. So make sure you go check that out. You can find it, me on any podcast platform. Yeah, I, I mean, Jack and I actually had the uh, chance to listen to that over the weekend. Awesome, awesome interview. Um, so great stuff there, Kyle. Uh, Jack, any last words before we wrap up here? No, I just want to give Kyle's podcast a little boost. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I knew I would enjoy it, but I enjoyed it more than I thought it would. It was much more informative than I thought it would be. Very good discussions, especially about a certain player who used to play here and played elsewhere. Um, but it was definitely good to get those that kind of player's perspective on not just the game, but how the game is being grown now and how they're, you know, with young kids and hitting, which, you know, we know fighting they're trying to eliminate, but they're also coming down on hitting as well. And he had some really good points he made. It was very interesting. So I would definitely check that shit out. For sure. What I found most interesting was the Carcillo conversation there. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard now, Carcillo has been pretty outspoken. Scroy comes with a different perspective and, you know, a lot of, a lot of you out there might appreciate it or might make you think a little differently. So definitely check out the episode. Uh, I had the pleasure of joining the guys from OMB Podcast uh, on their podcast last night. So if you have a chance, make sure you head over and listen to them. I got Angry and Negative coming up later tonight with Dan. And give us a follow on our Twitter account, Instagram account, Facebook account. And, yeah, we're going to wrap up. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. And hopefully the Flyers, uh, we're talking about some positive things next week. Take care, guys. We. Oui.